art, comedy, pop culture, and much more. You're listening to ACPN. Okay, here we go. Something, something. Okay, here we go. Hey, everybody. I'm James Ann. Um, podcast Rob. And it is time for another spooktacular episode of the Something Something Cast. Something Something Cast. <laughs> something in review. All right. We are continuing along um, our Halloween ventures into the scary month of October with uh, a first time for us. We watched this movie together with uh, about a dozen of our nearest and dearest. Yeah. Over on Discord. Yep. Yeah. Again, I've seen this now uh, three times. I used to you own just, it. I used to own it on DVD. So I when when this movie first came out. Now, for those who have not read the title, it is Blair Witch Two: Electric Shadowloo. Book of Shadows. Um, when this one first came out, since I was such a, a fan of the original Blair Witch at the time, um, I was like, all right, well, I'm super interested in seeing what they did. And I walked away from this going, well, that's that's what they did. All right. I mean, I understand why this is not a, a handheld footage movie. I understand why this isn't, you know, what Blair Witch was, but I don't know if they hit the nail on the head with what it is. What are your thoughts of, of uh, Blair Witch 2? Uh, so I hadn't seen this movie for quite a while before we watched it in our Discord for our movie night. Yes. And I will say that while it was much more obvious to me this time around that this is not a fantastic movie... Uh, I still feel that it is amazingly underrated because there is some really cool there's some really cool setup in this movie and it could have been a much better movie had it yes. not been for the stereotypical quote-unquote studio interference, which this ran afoul of. Hmm. I'm intrigued by that point that I might not be aware of, but uh, so for those who have not seen The Blair Witch 2, this is a bunch of teens, 20-somethings, who are going back to Burkittsville because they're all super fans of The Blair Witch. Um, that the It's sort of amplifies I think now Blair Witch was an important film legitimately I think it was important um, but I think this movie sort of over exaggerates its importance in so much as like it wasn't just maybe it has to do that because it takes it as real 
but it it sort of takes the movie and makes it this so like this cultural landmine, this cultural like land post, this post that's been stuck in the ground. Like Blair Witch changed the world, man. Go on, um, correct. Yeah. No, you're you are absolutely correct so far. Go on. What that the movie does this? Yeah. Yes. No. <laughs> and and yeah, that yeah. was intentional. Right, and I think that's important. I think that that part I agree with that that to view this movie as a piece of. Uh, that this movie is a movie movie and not a found footage fakery movie. Um, it is important to sort of lay the groundwork that this is a movie that takes place as if the Blair Witch was real, which is hard to say. Um, from there, we have a a group of people sort of brought together for a Burkittsville tour um, as run by uh, Jeffrey Donovan. Fantastic actor for Burn Notice. Very young. Uh, and everything from there just sort of falls the fuck apart. <laughs> like there's a there's a counter group that's walking through the woods that's doing their own documentary. There's a sleepover. The car won't start. They lost their notes. There's like there's a lot going on. And I admittedly am not entirely sure what they were trying to do. So please take it from there. So what I will say is that. I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out how to phrase my thoughts on this. Um, I get it. Yeah, the 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 tour goes awry. Weird shit starts happening, um, and then when they start looking at the video footage of said weird shit, it's both weirder and not weird because what they're perceiving as being supernatural shit happening is really just them doing weird shit and just not remembering any of it. Um, my favorite line of the movie is when the, uh, main character, Jeffrey, and this is one of these things that I love about poor movies like this. (laughs) Okay. Where everybody's character name is just their name. Oh, yes. So Jeffrey Patterson plays Jeffrey Donovan. Kim Director plays Kim Diamond. Steven Baker Turner plays Steven Ryan Barker. Like, they even gave the guy three <laughs> fucking names. Like, what the hell was that necessary for? Nicholas Einhorn. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, I like that they changed Kim Director's name because that's not believable. She's yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so they they... Uh, shit goes off the rails and they find out that they were doing all the weird freaky shit that they were attributing to the supernatural stuff. Um, Artisan really wanted a sequel, um, but Haxon Films, who created the original, wasn't ready to jump right into it. They wanted Mm -hmm. a whole lot more time to let the whole thing cool off before they came out with... Uh, a sequel. Which I respect. Sure. Um, I'm trying to find the one notes that I had here. I mean, most of the reviews of this were, at the time it came out, uh, most of the reviews were amazingly unfavorable. Like, yes. completely and utterly unfavorable. Um, this film is so bad, no amount of high-priced marketing tools, glitzy trailers, live webcats, star-studded soundtracks can save it. And the motivation behind this dreck is all too clear, pure, and simple greed. Which, I mean, 
reasonable. I get it. It's not not a uh, not a wrong thing to say. Um, I like God, you're not. No, no, go ahead. I was um, I was going to say, looking, I, I just sort of deep dove into the writer of Blair Witch Two. He has gone on to have a fucking career. Mm-hmm. Um, most specifically, a modern career. He is the gentleman who did um, his only other movie credit as director and producer. He did Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile, um, which was the Zac Efron as uh, Ted Bundy movie, which was excellent. Um, but he's also gone on to do a bunch of documentaries, really good documentaries, uh, Conversations with a Killer series, uh, one about Bundy, one about Gacy. Uh, he did a Tony Robbins movie. Like he's done a bunch of great documentaries. Oh, Whitey, the United States versus James Bolger. I'm pretty sure that Fucking once a. this movie came out, this was like his first and last feature film for like 19 years after yeah, this movie until, came out. Yeah, until that uh, Zac Efron one. Yeah. So here's okay. here's the 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 review that I really like. Um, Please, I will. It is from Brendan Morrow of Bloody Disgusting, and this was posted in 2016, which a fair cry from when the movie came out, which was 2000, 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, you know, not too far off from where we are right now. Um. He called it an excellent descent into madness film and said in Book of Shadows, Berlinger, who's the the director, took his hatred of the first movie's dishonesty and made an entire film out of it, commenting on the danger of blurring the line between fiction and reality. Had Artisan stayed out of the edit bay and just let the man do his job, Book of Shadows could have been something truly special. Hmm. And I that's the point where that's what I was seeing. Even when I first saw it, I wasn't looking at it like, wow, this is a bad Blair Witch money grab sequel thing. I'm looking at this like this is somebody who is flipping the bird to everybody who completely went down the Blair Witch rabbit hole and completely started to buy into the first movie to the point where they were believing it was real. Even when shown proof that the actors who supposedly quote-unquote died while filming the first movie were at the red carpet premiere... That it was still somehow an actual self-filmed documentary, and and was it a as as Doctor Who would say, is it a fixed point in time? Yes, but it's a very small fixed point in time. But the people who were so so roped into the first movie were making it a much bigger deal than everybody else in the country and society was making it. And to me, that's what this movie was poking fun at because it was going even more over the top to Mm. make it such a huge, like, watershed moment for society and pop culture and everything else. And to me, he was doing that to say... Do you fucking see how stupid you are? Do you, do you hear how you sound? I want you to repeat that louder and slower and listen to what you're saying. That's what I got out of this movie. And that's why I've always felt that this is underrated. Um, I, I used to use the term brilliant. I think in that respect, in the 
holding a mirror up to the inanity of the first movie, uh, it still does a really good job. But yeah, had they had they not meddled, because all of the uh, all of the uh, like psycho ward scenes, yeah, those were all put in because Artisan wanted those put in. Um, mm. all of the interviews that the sheriff does with uh, Jeffrey, it was one eight-minute clip. Artisan said, Artisan yeah. said, no, we want it cut into like 30-second, 45-second clips and spread it all throughout the movie. Like, they 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 hashed over this stuff. The, the whole thing where we see on the footage of Jeffrey's crew killing the, the Nickelback crew over on right. Pride Rock, that was all... Artisan said, no, we want more gore. We want more actual, quote-unquote, horror movie stuff in it. So we want you to record and film this, 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 and this, and then make it fit into your film because it's not horror movie enough. Whereas he wanted it to be very kind of ambiguous just in in the way the first movie was very ambiguous as to what was going on that's what he was going for with this movie and it got screwed out of it because artisan wanted more actual stuff so that that is it that makes me feel like and this uh harkens back to another episode we've done that this is Almost like a Gremlins 2 situation, a movie I got lambasted for when I said that it was a bad sequel. Because it is a bad sequel, but from the perspective that the writer was like, nope, I don't want to do this movie. I think Joe Dante, I don't want to do this movie. And they threw him a bunch of money until he said yes. So he made the anti-sequel. If you were to take that, I almost would like to know what the Berlinger cut of... Blair Witch 2 looks like then because where I think maybe you are correct that from an indie movie callback to the first film maybe there's something there um I I I don't think the acting holds up so much I think there's there's quite a bit of stilted um but maybe there is a better movie that could be blended together with the footage uh so apparently there have been Fans have taken the director's cut and okay. and tried to piece together edits that they feel more realistically uh, reconstruct the original vision of the movie. Like, and here's here's just another point of of uh, artisans. I'll, I'll call it meddling. Um, the original cut of the film had Frank Sinatra's witchcraft during the opening credits. The studio watched it and said, "Mm, we don't want that. And you chose Marilyn Manson's disposable teens. I mean, it sounds like it's nothing like, like big deal. Who cares? But it was that level of, of again, interference. I'll call it that artisan did with this movie. And let's put that into perspective here. Let's just look at those two different pieces. At the opening of the movie, if you were to say, Hatton, write Blair Witch 2 in 19-whatever-it-is, 2000, I probably would think 
okay, it's going to have a heavy metal opening. It's going to be <clears throat> a lot of goth metal, a lot of new metal. It, it is going to be a, a modern movie for the modern kid, um, much like Artisan did. Berlinger said, I want to start this with Frank Sinatra witchcraft. That's a big, drastic tonal shift for the first 30 seconds of that film. But again, it's it's more in line with the tone that he wanted for the original right. movie. And and I'm saying like That's he where might it comes be from, yeah. he might be right in his call for the movie he was trying to make that he ultimately had it we'll yeah. say, he wanted away from him. He wanted it to be more almost not so much a parody, but almost like a a a lighthearted tongue in cheek romp in the woods for people <laughs> who had watched the first Blair Witch that slowly descended into this downward spiral that caught them off guard and just got darker and darker and darker as it went on. Um, the, f- the, the footage of them killing the other tour group was literally filmed just over a week before the movie's release. Oh, wow. And then just thrown in and, and spliced into the movie in, like, jump cuts and stuff. Um, yeah. Do, do I... <clears throat> Did the people in our Discord enjoy the movie? Mm, I mean, because jur- we were there. Jury's out. <laughs> but uh, but I, I, if you have watched the original Blair Witch and you found the original Blair Witch entertaining uh, and you have seen the 2016 Blair Witch, uh, which was, in my opinion, I, I look at the 2016 Blair Witch the same way I look at Malignant. In that okay, this luck. is in that this is this was a low budget, low production horror movie that woke up one morning, opened the door to its trailer park trailer, and found a suitcase of ten million dollars in it, and said, "Let's do the same thing, but with a lot more money." Um, if you've watched I- both of those and you haven't seen Book of Shadows, look, ignore the fact that. It won the Golden Raspberry Award for Worst Remake or Sequel. <laughs> Ignore that it won the Stinker Bad Movie Awards for Worst Remake or Sequel and the remake nobody was clamoring for. And all of the other bad nominee uh, nominations that it got. Um, and, and give it a watch. It's, on, it's currently on Peacock right now. Give it a watch. Here, so, um, Golden Raspberry Awards, Worst Screen Couple nominated any two actors yeah. in this movie. It's <laughs> brilliant. I think my favorite nomination is from the Stinkers Bad Movie Award for Most Intrusive Musical Score. That's an amazing award name. <laughs> Most intrusive. Yeah. Um there there is one problem I have and now I will take let's be clear. I will take this movie over the 2016 Blair Witch any day of the week. Cuz that movie is just bad. Um, I will allow for this movie to be a different movie if given the Berlinger cut or Berlinger cut. I cannot forgive some of they like it's not on top of all that it's not written well. The goth character is doing the oh I am a uh, minimized class of people everybody hates the goths and that it's ahead of its time for that year two thousand. No, I guess that's probably right around the Yeah, it was right, right around the, right around the Yeah, because yeah. Manson's out. Yeah. Um the Wiccan is I will say, to my high school career, very accurate. 
because she immediately lets you know she's Wiccan and she immediately starts telling you precisely what that means to you. Um, but see to me, that that was, Oh, it's so hammy. Yeah. We, we we both know that girl. Yes. And we probably both dated that girl. (laughs) Um, that like, to me, that was, she was, she was the perfect portrayal of like the Barnes and Noble Wiccan. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, like she wasn't really into it for the, the religion and for the, the mindset of it. She was in it because again, I'm going to be different just like all my friends are different. It was, Mm -hmm. it, it was, it was the most recent iteration of trying to be different from the rest of society. Yeah. And and she was a, she was a coattail wiccan. Even though she was probably a little too old to be a coattail wiccan, they felt like they were slightly too old to be as dipsticky as they were. But I think everybody in this character everybody in this movie was uh, portrayed as older than the the characters should have been. Right. Like I get 100%. the feeling these all should have been like 19 to 22 year olds. And like, they all looked, you know, late twenties, early thirties. Yeah. Jeff- Jeffrey Donovan's not allowed outside of a school, let alone just finishing one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that said, we had a wonderful time riffing it and it's a movie that deserves its riff riffness. Um, I saw it not forever ago because uh, Milady watches a lot of Pluto horror and it just happens to happen to be on. And I kind of watched it going, I don't remember any of this. And then literally it wasn't until we sat and I know that I said to her, I was like, oh, that's Jeffrey Donovan. He's from Burn Notice and Law and Order. And I had forgotten that again when we watched it two weeks ago and I was like, oh, <laughs> Jeffrey Donovan, Burn Notice, Law and Order. Your brain has some sort of automatic palate cleanser in it. <laughs> And I've, there's a few movies that I've recognized do that. Apparently, this is one of them. It's always interesting to find one. Uh, Friday the 13th remake did it, in which I got about 40 minutes in before I went, oh, I've seen this. This is that style. That's Dean from uh, Gilmore Girls. Um, and I've also done it with the Poltergeist remake, where I watched that two full times before I realized. <sighs> that I'm... Uh, I'm okay with not having seen it again. I I do wish that Blair Witch got a better sequel. It's had two stinkeroos. Um, I've never read the comic book, but for as it as it started a genre, um, it it deserves better than I think it got. A paranormal Activity has gotten better uh, than it deserves because I fucking hate those movies. Blair Witch, I think, is an important film for horror, and it it feels like it never got its due for for being what it is. It got this and that other craptacular sequel. Yeah, I agree. That 2016 thing was just... It was even more of a hot mess because it specifically kind of went out of its way to ignore Book of Shadows... And I mean, it, it almost felt like somebody took the original script for the Blair Witch Project, changed some things around to make it a little bit more topical, 
added a weird Shyamalanian twist to it and then threw $15 million at the budget. Yeah, Cause, exactly. Because like, all the beats are almost identical. And I mean, not for nothing, you know, the budget on on uh, Book of Shadows was $15 million. It made $47.7 million. So it didn't lose money. I mean, it, it wasn't gangbusters, but it didn't didn't lose money. It's still a financial success. That's but that's also trying to compare it to you compare it to uh, obviously the budget of Blair Witch was you know at most half a million, and that's including all the advertising they did. But it's probably closer to two hundred and fifty thousand to oh, a box not... office of two hundred and fifty mama million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying I'm not saying it was as much of a financial success. Uh, not, but it made its thing. Not even close. And the thing that bugs me the most is that Blair. Witch, I mean, even the third one, even Blair Witch, the one in 2016, had yeah. a budget of five million and made 45. What? I don't think I know somebody who's ever seen that other than us. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, the other part of the original Blair Witch that I think. This movie tried to do, and it, it's hard to strike that lightning twice, is I, I really put Blair Witch, the original, down as one of the first big internet ARG moments. Like, Blair Witch really set in motion what you could do with the internet to promote your thing. It was so hand-to-mouth, and so, like, people passing around this footage, and passing around the wanted poster, the missing poster, and fake articles that were on the websites. Like this movie tried to do little stuff like that. There was a, um, there was quite a few of these right in this era of movies. There was a like sci-fi original. It's basically an infomercial for the movie, but it's portrayed as something else. Like it was the news reports about Burkittsville. Uh, Dawn of the dead did one as well, which was really good, but it just, it's, it's hard to strike such lightning in a bottle when like the first internet ARG is your, is your grandfather. Right. What are you going to do? Which leads to your favorite part of this film, which is the sort of uh, switchy play about the video. So please, I, f- I figure you definitely should get that point out there. Well, I mean all the weird shit that happens that all the weird shit that we're seeing happen in the movie, they get shown security camera footage of, and it's shown right to them that none of the weird shit that we're seeing in the movie actually happened that way. And right. and to, to circle back, the line that I love the most is from Jeffrey when he says, film lies, videotape doesn't lie, but film lies. Like, if that doesn't stick with you through the rest of the movie to show you that everything that you're watching on this movie that was filmed on film and then you're shown the security tape footage on videotape like it's it's spelling out to you how it's going to make you look like a fool yeah and also it's kind of not what happened you know we we saw the various angles of the way it could have been viewed versus the way it actually ended up being which right. is a very Rashomon uh, concept that I, I I think there's a good movie in that, in, in a horror film where you were taken over by the spirit to some dumb fuckery and everybody went batshit and the only thing that's telling us the truth is the final video. I think there's a good movie in that. I, sadly, we got this. But. 
Any more to add about the books of shadows? Uh, no. I, I don't know. I, I think, yeah. No, well, folks, I think we're good. <laughs> if you have any interest in seeing uh, a film in a room with a bunch of people on a chat, come to our Discord. We are planning on doing at least one more before the end of the month, and we have not voted on as to whether it's going to be something spectacular or whether it's Jim Cotta, because I know what my vote is. That said, where, Rob, can they go online and tell us uh, we are completely wrong and Book of Shadows is phenomenal? Uh, you can go to somethingcast.com, which is the repository of all things something. You can find all the buttons and widgets and doodads to find us on all the different types of social media and all of your podcatchers of choice, as well as finding our Patreon button. If you are one of our patrons, then not only have you listened to this episode, but you heard all of the before episode stuff and all of the before episode stuff we've had on all of our previous episodes since we launched our Patreon again. Um, if you are not a member of our Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash something something cast. And for just $2 a month, not only do you help support our show, but you get all of this content early access on Saturday instead of waiting for Tuesday. Plus you get the, at the uh, episode unedited and uncut with all of the before episode banter after episode banter everything in between any mistakes or sneezes that may happen <laughs> you get all of it for two bucks a month plus it helps support our show so we can help get you guys some bigger and better and cooler stuff through our show down the road i just read off passwords to, to places i go it's great <laughs> anyway with that said we hope you guys enjoyed this journey into a movie of our past we have more halloween fantasticness coming soon but until then, I'm James Atten. I'm Podcast Rob. See you guys next time. Later. Something, 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 something. Okay, here we go.